0: Make sure you're subscribed to Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc.
1: Do we really live in a country where only the left gets to do political satire? If anyone in the right half does this stuff, It can't possibly be funny because they have to be doing it for all the wrong reasons. When you have people who
2: couldn't even begin to articulate for you what it means to believe in the triune God, but can tell you how Donald Trump is God's anointed servant, then you look at that and you go, yeah, that just sounds like you have an entirely false
0: God. Many evangelical interpreters will take that Romans 7 text and say that that was Paul before his conversion. Now this is an amazing thing to think about, that Paul before his conversion was spirit wrestling with flesh. (laughs) We would say, no, no, before
1: conversion, you have none of the spirit, you have only flesh. So with all of the things that Jesus says about his return, there isn't anything that even really implies at all that there could be some multiple returnings of Jesus. When the Son of Man returns, he will return in his glory and he will judge the living and the dead and that is the end of all things.
2: Then the Lutherans, they brought us over here. Everybody blames the Lutherans. <laughs> the headquarters of the Los Angeles Times houses the largest newsroom in the Western world. The news broke this morning that there are going to be 115 layoffs at the Los Angeles Times. That's about 20% of their workforce, and they... If you add that to a previous reduction in force last year, it's about a third of their workforce no longer working for them. Four of their, I'm sorry, two of their four managing editors quit. And if you look at the industry as a whole in the United States, 2,700 jobs lost in journalism in 2023. The Washington Post is reported to have lost $100 million that year. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. live on this Wednesday afternoon, January the 24th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to talk about the financial decline of major newspapers with Terry Mattingly of Get Religion. Pastor Tom Baker joins us to teach a Sunday school lesson on the rebuilding of the temple. Then we'll be looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever will guide us toward that gospel reading, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard in Matthew 10. Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He is founder and editor of Get Religion. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome
1: back. Glad to be here. Not a happy subject, but glad to be here.
2: (laughs) You have been arguing since the early 1980s that bad coverage of religion leads to the loss of readership and much less trust in the role of the press in American life. So, are you celebrating the tsunami of red ink at so many of these major newspapers?
1: Well, of course, I'm not celebrating it because this includes a lot of my friends. I've spent years in journalism education attempting to get, let's face it, conservative Christian colleges, members of the councils of Christian colleges and universities to invest more time in journalism programs and trying to create pathways into at least middle American newsrooms and higher up for people with religious convictions to add to the diversity of those newsrooms. So it's no fun watching things that you fought for for decades go up in flames. At the same time, I have to admit that when I look back on research that I did as far away as the late 70s, early 80s, when I was in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and doing, eventually doing a master's degree in mass media, I was struck by things that listeners need to remember how long ago that is, and how far back we are. I mean, this is still in an age when owning a local newspaper in an uncompetitive town was the the, the hot phrase that it was a license to print money. Because basically you had no competition for mainstream advertising for business in a city. And when they say mainstream advertising, they mean broadcast, broadly based advertising for cars, vegetables, department stores, and all those sorts of things, in the age, obviously, before Amazon, and in the age before Craigslist and the internet, etc., etc. But even then, I remember distinctly when I arrived at the Charlotte News and the Charlotte Observer in 1983-84, and right in that period of time, that the newspaper chain that owned those papers at that time, and of course the Charlotte News has closed since then, an afternoon paper. They were already beginning to research who was going to replace the generations of readers who actually sat down and read things and read their newspapers. And they were trying to say, how can we change our newspapers? to appeal to young urban readers who want to read about different kinds of things and might even want a more progressive kind of opinion-based journalism. That was all stirring around in the early 1980s. And it, it struck me within a few years as I read, these reports coming out from newspaper companies that wanted to do this sort of thing, that it it reminded me a lot of the whole seeker megachurch movement, where you were seeing polls that you had a a certain amount of the population who really didn't like going to church. They they didn't like talking people face-to-face, they didn't like being pressed about religious beliefs, and they wanted to go to church services with ministers walking around with handheld mics or clip-on mics like Broadway headsets to sing and Hawaiian shirts and whatever else. And basically, you were trying to create a church for people who didn't like to go to church. And the problem was, what impact would that have to do on people who did want to go to church? Well, I began to see the same sort of thing surface in all of these reports about the future of newspapers and that was was it really going to work to build newspapers for people who didn't want to read newspapers so that's our backdrop that's the backdrop that is what 40, 45 years old now we have an entirely different situation happening in our culture and the division between blue states and red states and blue zip codes and red zip codes and half of America warring with the other half of America in many, many different ways. And essentially, you have to ask, in an age of social media and entertainment news, I would call it, and a lot of other things, if the Los Angeles Times can't make it with a publisher who invested, he's estimating $1 billion into the newspaper. And if the Washington Post can't make it, or is struggling to make it, or is gonna change into something completely different in the capital of the United States of America, when it's losing 100 million a year, and it's owned by the czar of Amazon, the ultimate font of money in this day and age, you have to just simply ask, okay, what is the media going to look like? And listeners are probably aware of the fact that I believe it will look more and more like isolated, atomized, niche groups of Americans hiding inside their own concrete towers of digital information. I can't celebrate that either.
2: This comes along with something a little, well, as existential and and closely related to the financial trouble, and that is it's now being recognized that there's a problem, that the media in general, but journalism in particular, has a problem with trust. I don't think, according to the polls, the U.S. public has ever trusted the media less than it does
1: today. Oh, it couldn't possibly trust the media less. But we have to note an essential hypocrisy built into the media landscape right now, and it's a hypocrisy about readers and viewers. We have all kinds of people who complain that our media has become more biased, it's become more niche-oriented, that it's divided into the haves and the have-nots and the reds and the blues, and they would like some sort of – a return to some sort of common source of information. Yet all of the media studies indicate that the readers themselves are trending in precisely the opposite direction. And that, if you, that the way you grow an audience of people who will pay for your product, and you can't pay for your product anymore with advertising because we've already killed the golden goose of common, shared, community-based advertising. We're way too (laughs) niche-oriented for that these days. So if as I argued in that piece I wrote for Acton and Religion and Liberty, we've talked about it here several times, what do you do when biased, negative news is good business? What is your economic model? to offer something else. And that's the ultimate question that everyone is facing right now. But this is what's so amazing about that is to me, the Washington Post in particular is the model of a niche, negative attack, one audience in order to draw the other audience. To some degree, the Washington Post may be losing a battle with the New York Times for control of that niche, culturally liberal fortress. Wouldn't that be ironic? I mean, if papers like the LA Times and the Washington Post were losing all this money in part because of the success of the digital online New York Times, that to me would be just about as ironic as it gets.
2: So if bad coverage of religion has led to a loss of revenue and financial crises at many major Newspapers, why clothes get religion
1: now? Well, let's back up for a second. I mean, back in the early 80s when I was doing that research, what I began to see was that the more religious people were in your community, the more likely they were – and this is sort of logical if you think about it. It was an insurance company survey that revealed this. The the more traditionally religiously active you were, the more likely you were – To be an established member of your community and active in a lot of other civic groups, civic causes, even politics. There was a strong correlation between religious beliefs and practice and kind of of salt-of-the-earth grassroots community involvement. Now stop and think about it. If you were going to drive off those readers, one of the ways you would do it is to consistently and constantly screw up religion coverage. And that was what I was arguing in the early 80s. And the other thing that we were seeing about that time was the growth of the media elite studies, and we began to have a lot of media bias studies. And what jumped out of you in the media bias studies of that time was the degree to which Religion was a key factor in all of this. The late, great George Cornell of the Associated Press told me about one study. He had a chance to examine the actual paper. You imagine it was done on paper. The actual paper forms that elite journalists in the blue zip codes of the Northeast in major filled out. And in the slot for religion, 50% of the people who took the survey wrote the word none. N O N E, in that slot. In other words, and not like I grew up Baptist or I'm culturally Catholic or I'm a liberal Jew, but I'm not all that practicing. It was none. And what George Cornell found interesting was the degree to which a high percentage of that 50% underlined the word none. It was not just, oh, no, not none. It's none. No religion. And it seemed to be a core part of their identity. And Cornell in the 70s and early 80s was already saying that this is a threat to the mainstream health of the press. And of course, he that was in his interest to say that since he was the Associated Press's only religion reporter. So I've been saying this for a long time. I don't think it's established, but I, I will say this. You have to consider also what has happened in the world of politics and American culture from that time. And this all for me dates back to something, again, I'm sorry to be repeating myself today, but when you start talking about closing at religion, it shouldn't strike anybody as strange that all kinds of stuff wells up in me from the 20 years of working on that website. And basically, stop and think about the controversial supreme court cases of the last 40 years i mean the ones that really shook the nation and it's not hard to realize that a lot of them had moral and cultural implications so thus we have that famous quote from the new york times editor bill keller in the farewell. Post I will write for Get Religion. I'm going to argue that the two most important words in the 20 year history of Get Religion were the words aside from. And that was from a Keller appearance in which he argued that the New York Times was still doing basic American journalism. It could still be trusted, specifically on politics, but that he admitted that on cultural and moral issues, the paper was becoming more open-minded, tolerant, and urban were the words he used. So he was asked again, do you favor the political left? And he said, aside from, there's those words, aside from the liberal values, sort of social values thing I talked about, no, I don't think that it does. And in the piece I wrote for Acton, I stressed the importance of the words aside from and then I wrote the following, and I'll just read it to our listeners. The problem is that hot-button social issues have, after Roe versus Wade, dominated American politics, especially in elections linked to seats on the U.S. Supreme Court. According to Keller, his newsroom did old-fashioned journalism, except when dealing with issues such as abortion, euthanasia, sexuality, marriage, family, gay rights, education, cloning, and other sensitive issues that are inevitably linked to religion. That's all." Close quote. So I think it's hard to look at the divisions in our culture today without seeing a role for religion. And that comes right down to that famous image, the Jesus Land meme, where the red part of America is called – this is one of my favorites – the Christian Republic of Jesus Land is what the red states are called, and the rest of America and Canada is called the United States of Liberty and Education. Now that's not some sort of deplorable polarization between the two sides, is it?
2: Terry Mattingly is our guest. We're talking about the financial decline of major newspapers. On the other side, why then? Shudder, get religion.
0: Here's an easy way for you to help us cast Christ's net on the Internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Join Lutherans for Life at the For Such a Time as This Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Enjoy the testimony and talents of Dove Award-winning musician and adoptee Mark Schultz. Discover expert information and exciting opportunities, and experience the fellowship and celebration the 2024 Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston. Find out more and register at lutheransforlife.org conferences. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod School? There's one race, the human race, and Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb, and every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the 10 Commandments. There are only two sexes, Male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools.
2: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about the financial decline of major newspapers on the heels of the story of 115 layoffs at the Los Angeles Times. Terry Mattingly is our guest. the founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, you wanted to talk about an article in the free press. Trump, again, the question is why. What did you find there that ties into our conversation here?
1: Well, it's really interesting, and the whole situation with trump this article it argues that trump is essentially you know if you if you look away from the actual political issues here and you look at this as a primarily a cultural issue trump emerges as a kind of condensed symbol of the battles between red state america and blue state america and also it's You're pro-democracy if you feel one way about Trump and you're anti-democracy if you feel the other way about Trump. And then you look once again at the role of morality and sexuality and religion and all that. And you have everything tied to that caught up in the politics of our age. Like I said, the single most important thing in American politics to many voters is who controls the Supreme Court. I would argue that in most elections, the economy and Supreme Court are the two biggest issues that are on the ballot every time. And Joe Biden was elected by many of his followers and in large part by the mainstream press as a way of returning to normal, to American life becoming normal. But then as this article at the Free Press, which is written by someone with a background in CIA analysis. and The free press is a very interesting. His name is Martin Gurry, G U R R I. And he argues that the nation could not conceivably become more divided than it is. And that when you talk about, well, look at Trump, look how abnormal he is, and look how immoral he is, and then you back away for a second, and then you're thinking about Hunter Biden, and you're thinking about trends right now in to legalize or not legalize transsexual surgeries for children, not just people of age above age 18, but children, and whether this should be done with state money. And you have the government fighting back against the Supreme Court on issues of abortion and Biden pledging to use the powers of the state to give more options on abortion. Then you have Biden now supporting the Supreme Court because it wants to allow him to cut down razor wire on the Texas border instead of letting the state do that. And then we've got a cross-dressing federal appointee caught stealing women's luggage and losing his job, and the Secretary of Defense vanishes for a week. You have all kinds of things that probably half of America would feel doesn't represent a good normal. And I think a more important trend that doesn't grab a headline, but one that concerns me a lot, is the degree to which the American military is increasingly favored by one half of America, but not the other. And the fact that the part of the America that's growing in its distrust of the military happens to be the part of America that has the strongest history of supporting the military, and that's red zip codes tend to have more children who might want to go into the military. There probably are more Southern Baptists and Assemblies of God believers interested in going into the military than there are Episcopalians, ELCA Lutherans, and Unitarians who want to go into the military. So once again, this division is, in my opinion, And I think there's evidence for this, and a lot of people have stated this, this gripping article at the Free Press pounds away at this, this hatred between the two sides of America, this unwillingness to pay each other any attention and have any willingness to dialogue toward compromise at all. There is a religious and cultural and moral dynamic in it that cannot be denied. And at the same time, you have to admit that our dominant news institutions are in the blue zip codes. And there was a quote from James Bennett, the former editorial page editor of the New York Times, where he describes the New York Times in terms. He wrote this in a massive article in The Economist, and I quoted it in the piece that I wrote announcing the closing of Get Religion. It's a stunning quote, very blunt quote. The reality is that the Times is becoming the publication through which America's progressive elite talks to itself about an America that does not really exist. After Trump's election, the people's representative, the reader's representative at the New York Times, Liz Spayed, wrote a series of columns that ended up getting her fired from her position. And Liz Spayed is a New York City liberal faculty member at Columbia University. I mean, the the epitome of the establishment left. But Liz Spayed said, the simple fact is, does the New York Times want to listen to half of America? Does it want to cover half of America accurately? And yes, that half of the nation that's being left out of all that is Jesus land, to use the political cartoonist phrase. So what does that all have to do with Get Religion? We're we're closing in part because we were created to defend basic, solid American journalism based on accuracy, fairness, and even balance on controversial issues. And yet everything that's happening in our culture is pushing us away economically and technologically and politically from that model. And so I concluded that Get Religion's work was done, that we had attempted to defend that model, and for a lot of reasons, that model lost. The American model of the press is gone. So that's why we're closing. And in my own life, my 70th birthday is dead ahead of me a couple of days from now right before we close the website ironically no connection there but I've decided that it's more important for me now to focus my time and my energies not on criticizing the mistakes of the press although that's easy to do and it's necessary and it's important to do I'm going to turn my attention and I intend to start a sub stack on this and we might even I hope do some more stuff in audio and video related to that, I wanna really focus on what all of this means to the church and the importance of the church being able to recognize the trends in its culture and somehow respond to them for the sake of its own members, for the sake of the unchurched, for the sake of families, for the sake of children, and for the, face, the sake of the future of the church. So I'm gonna go back to my Denver Seminary days and try to focus more on signals from the culture that the church cannot ignore. And that's just simply how I have chosen to spend my time.
2: Terry Mattingly Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He is founder and editor of Get Religion, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thanks. Glad to be here. Pastor Tom Baker joins us on the other side of the break. We will be in Ezra chapter 3 and Nehemiah chapters 8 and 12 to talk about the rebuilding of the temple.
1: Dream about having stained glass windows at your church, but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Cruesome has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit AdCruesome.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Cruesome established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.
0: your comprehensive source for information, teaching, and truth. You're listening to Issues Etc. Have you ever wanted a resource to share with first-time visitors of your congregation to help them understand why we worship the way we worship, why your church gathers the way they gather to receive our Lord's gifts? Pick up your copy of the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, which is The Divine Service, A User's Guide. To order a copy, visit cph.org slash witness or Or visit our website to learn more, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.